You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. And we'll talk about the 52-10 win over UL Monroe, but that's not what anybody listening to this podcast is here to hear us talk about. It's Bama Week. We'll talk all about the Longhorns and the Crimson Tide on this edition of the show. Uh, before we get started, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we just thank you so much for your continued support of Longhorn Blitz. Anywhere you get your podcasts, search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. That's the best way you can support this podcast. Also, get it on the horn if you're in Austin, 1049-1019-AM1260, or streaming uh, live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock, or the Encore presentation. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock after Longhorn Weekly with Steve Sarkeesian. So that's a couple of different ways you can get the podcast. And obviously, you can get it at horns247.com. The best recruiting coverage in the Texas market with Mike Roach and Hudson Standish and plenty of content to get you ready for Texas and Alabama this Saturday. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Matt, how did the WNBA season treat you from a daily fantasy perspective? Oh, been loving it. They just, uh, they've just they been trying to avoid football right now, so they played like last Wednesday, and then they played during the day Sunday before the college games went on, so they're fitting one in tonight, too. Candace mm-hmm. Parker, though, and, and chicks out of this world. Next time you have somebody tell you, oh, yeah, I like Daily Fantasy, ask them if they do Daily Fantasy for the WNBA. And if they don't, they're not on Matt Butler's level. Uh, very few people are on the level of the third member of our team. 
And why we put him on a pedestal this week is he is trying, uh, the Texas Longhorns right now are trying to do something the third member of our team did, and that is get a win over a Nick Saban coach football team. His last game on the 40 acres, not only Nick Saban, but our spirit animal, well, Muschamp. And, and Jimbo. Jimbo. And Jimbo <laughs> Fisher. Yeah, all over the place. <laughs> had to feel the wrath of our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-America, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 acres where he earned his degree Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. I appreciate the intro as always, brother. Rod. Damn good one. Not many guys can say they ended their college football career. The The last game of their college career just whooped a Nick Saban coach team like they stole something. The team won the national title the next year, too. Yes, they did. So it wasn't a bad team. No. That team was good, man. That team was loaded, had some good athletes on it. We were just – we were in the zone that day. We really were. That was one of those, one of those few few games, I think, that we were clicking on all cylinders. Sims was rolling. He was in the zone. Roy they Williams had, right out of the gate. Roy Williams right out of the gate. <sighs> Our defense was just – I mean, Lee we Jackson we had a scoop and score. Yeah. Like I said, it was it was one of those rare games where everybody was playing. And I think, you know, we were playing on a, kind of a spiritual high. I mean, it's your last game as a Longhorn. So, we had a good group, that 99 class coming out. Last game for me, Corey Redding, Chris Sims. Mm. So, D-Doc. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That was a good leadership course. So I think all of the, the young bucks want to send us out with a bang, and they did. Most Gaze still had another two years. Most Gaze, but yeah, we had a, that that O two team. I don't know if we were as good as O one. O one was just man. O one I think had more overall talent, but man, O two was a it was. I, it's probably the most fun I've had on it. I think. Team. Can I can I tell you my uh, theory on on your last two years at Texas, Go which ahead. were two great years? I love the O one team. Yeah, O one is a no. Um, nasty if the team. if the O one team. New had the had the depth of knowledge that the O two team did. There's no question the O one team is playing Miami in Pasadena. Like you were just a more experienced, yeah. more football knowledgeable team. Yeah. North of Mike Williams yeah. in the seventh. And you happened. know what? I'll give credit. Uh, no joke. I'll give credit to Coach Aquino for that. Coach Aquino was there one more year. Yeah. Remember Coach mm-hmm. Aquino had hadn't hadn't been there that long. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know that was his mean? first year before. That was like yeah, exactly right. That was his second year. Coach Aquino was big for all those young bucks. And he was big on the special teams, speaking of, mm-hmm. right? Speaking like Jeff Banks and that's that punt block unit mm-hmm. where you had arguably your most athletic players. If you look at any of the eleven that Texas puts on the field at any given time, I don't know if you have a more athletic group than that punt return unit yeah. that he had out there yeah. that blocked that punt to start off the game. And that's why I, I, don't know I got so excited when I was like, whoa, Whittington and Jameson oh, are next to each other. And then you have Overshown mugging the line like you have three guys. It was like they're going to go and overload the punt protector. That's what it just reminded me of that Coach Coach Aquito insisted on that too. I mean, you got Rojo on that unit. You, know, you said, yeah, Jay Witt, Anthony Cook in that unit, Overshown, Gilbo. 
Yep. It was nasty. Taff Daddy. And where they were lining up, it wasn't and like Jameson. You yeah, know, Jameson like, like a one technique. They read it perfect. You know, <laughs> yeah. like they just knew yeah. where they were overloading. And that's sort of the great thing that you knew it basically the way that uh Kena back in the day, he used Michael Griffin, put him in different spots, yep. but he did the same thing with Huff Daddy and all the different guys. I mean, you were one blocking uh field goals off of the edge oh. too, to where like Man. you ended up having all sorts of athletes lined up in different spots, and that just shows you doing your film, knowing being one of the best special teams coaches. Our punt return was nasty. With, with of course, oh, with nasty Basher. Nate. Yeah. With nasty Nate back there returning the punt. But anyway, like that, that, it reminded me of that. And Jeff yeah. Banks insists on putting some of his best athletes out there with that group. Just looking at it, uh, as best I can tell, Rod, I don't know if you've got it written down. I wish oh, yeah, I had, I had it written down. down. Uh, Jalen Gilbo, DeMarvin Overshone, Deshaun Jamison, yep. Keelan Robinson, uh, Jordan Whittington, Matt, yep. like you said, we're all on that punt block team. Yep. yep. Oh, uh, uh, Overshone was yeah, on there. Yeah, Mitchell Overshone. Keaton Crawford, one yes. of the fastest guys, was on there. I mean, it was just, it was low. I, when I looked at it, I was like, damn, okay, I see why they blocked it. Yep. I, I, <laughs> I don't think they Tucker, Tucker Dorsey's on the pump. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I don't, is that Roshan? I can't tell. I, wanna, yeah, Roshan. Couple, I thought it was Rojo. I thought it was Rojo. I think it was too. Rojo because they wanted power. Because you think about where they had him, they had him right yeah, by Jameson. Because they so they because if Tuck in there, Tuck don't give you power. Mm-hmm. Tuck gives you speed. He wanted power yeah. to take that back away, that blocker That's away, why to occupy him. There. Boom, exactly right. Because they put they put basically Rojo in there. I mean, it's hard for you to be able to just you know do that against Rojo. And they had Anthony Cook there for speed, Jameson there for speed. Crawford was, was right behind yeah. Jameson. Yeah. Like I don't want to. I love the special teams tangents. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but <laughs> no. no, the anatomy of a punt block, Rod. Like there's two different ways you can do it. A speed off the edge is one way. Mm-hmm. You, you block the punt against the Aggies back in the day yep. doing that, or up the gut. And if you go up the gut, one there's somebody in on that punt block team. If you're going up the gut, somebody's job, their only job is you just go smash the personal protector. That is your one job. You got the yeah, personal that's protector. True. Yeah. And it was such a good pump block, he almost got racked. Completely occupied that guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was a free run. And Jameson, like, when he went up, it was one where he could have almost, like, just tackled the punter before he got the punt off. It did seem and it, like that. he literally almost yeah. got racked. He just blocked the ball it perfectly. Al- it almost ends up, like, if you think about a defensive stunt, it almost ends up like a two-man game, kind of. Yep. One guy's going off the personal protector. The personal protector point. goes yep. after that first guy, the second guy. Either twists or loops back in or whatever Same goes off him. Yeah, much. that's basically my second favorite punt block in Texas history, behind the front flip of Casey Studdard and Robert Killebrew at Oklahoma State and the comeback, <laughs> which was amazing. If you ever watch that game replay and you see those two guys just go balls to the wall, head over heels, get their legs taken out and get a piece of, it. and Ooh, those God. two guys are like the perfect people to ask to do such a that thing. Yeah, Rod, I know <laughs> on the football field you're taught not to have any fear, but if you're a personal protector <laughs> and you see Casey Studdard and Robert Killebrew have a running start headed right for you, yes, I don't true. imagine there's anything more terrifying. No, that's that. And that's, that seems like that should be illegal. Actually, they did. Yeah. <laughs> on kick, yeah, kickoff return, kickoffs that, that I used to be a part of, it wasn't illegal. But now, yeah, you can't have two big old linemen holding hands or mm-hmm. locking arms yep. and essentially forming a wedge. Flying over. Yeah, and then some 180-pound DB like me having to uh, – Hey, Rod B, we need you to go in there and destroy the ridge. Yeah. And I'm like, it's 600-something pounds of human being. You want me to go destroy it with my 180-pound body? Yeah, we need you to use feet, speed and force to do it. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Worst job in football. That's Worst job in football. That was great. Back yeah. in the day, if, yeah. you were, if you were on the kickoff team and you're – your designation was a wedge, or you were the wedge buster. <laughs> Worst job in football, period. Yep. Like basically, it's 
it's like you just get it, just run full speed, and basically you're going to sacrifice your body so these jokers behind you can maybe make a tackle. The Sowers helmet test. Yeah. No. It's insanity. <laughs> Which is why now it is yes. disallowed. Anyway, some, some safety things yeah, exactly. make sense of football. Uh, let's talk about this ULM game, though. Special teams. Special teams was a mixed bag because you've got, you know, a block punt, a really nice punt return by Xavier Worthy, and then you had a really bad hold situation. Like, damn, Isaac Pearson got fired as a holder in the middle of the game. That's pretty rough. Well, then he had the punt. And then he bl- dropped the a punt, punt snap. Which yeah. actually, that would have been a good football play in the end because, well, it was a disaster of his own making, but mm. then he ended up making a great play. Making up for the disaster. Basically, special teams was what's that great literary quote? It was the best of times and the worst of times. Like uh, it was, it was really. For good. Isaac Pearson, Rod, if if at the time he dropped the snap, if you just freeze it right there yeah. and look at percentages of what can happen, mm. you'll take your chance. Like fifteen yard punt, you'll take that at that point. And you're like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. sweet. That's I, I actually get be. this ball <laughs> off. Yeah, great. I get this ball <laughs> off and I don't get murdered. Awesome. And he starts running and you're like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> this could go all types of wrong, but then he made a hell of a play. As, yeah. l- as long as it breaks the line of scrimmage, you're good. And that's what Sark said. Remember, Sark said, you never know with these guys. And mm. he had, actually, I think he was talking about special teams. Like, yeah, we got a plan for the kickers. But as Mike Tyson always said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Kicking is one of those weird things where they listen, it, it, you can't practice actual and replicate what happens on a football field in real time during a game, even in practice. Mm-hmm. You can just do your best to try to simulate it. But for kickers especially, they don't get it at all. They're yeah. isolated up there by it's them a, it's damn It's a different sport. Yeah, yeah, they aren't so, playing yeah. football. So like, you got to have nerves of steel, and you got to have kind of that naturally when you go out there. And all kickers, they may be able to execute in practice, but when you go out there in the game, they, they can't do it. Same with the holder, in theory. Totally you know? agree. I mean, that's holding enough. something totally different. Agree. You don't have enough time in practice now, right? Like with the NCAA limiting your contact that, that's periods. That's also true. That's why the kickers are supposed to do it on their own. They do a lot on their yeah. own. Yeah. They do a lot like before mm-hmm. practice on their own and after practice on their own. Quotes, we, I went to the open scrimmage, and, and you could always tell the kickers yeah. are just oh, hanging out on the sidelines. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why they get yelled at when they miss kicks. Yeah. It really yeah, is Ron, almost an unfair you... place to have them, like these most insane pressure things that aren't yeah. even involved with football. It's why I've said we don't need kickers in football. We can change the rules. Back in the day, Rod, uh, how many times uh, – you know, you're like ro- rotating in and out, taking a rep off, and like Pascal or something. You look down there and like I don't know who would it have been, like Dusty Mangum and Brian Bradford are down there just playing grab ass or whatever. Literally, <laughs> like literally down there playing grab ass. You know what I mean? Doing like <laughs> trick shots and stuff and trick kicks. Uh, <laughs> and so many every stuff. football coach in America is yelling at them for something. No, but I think as a player I, you like look over there and be flowers like, "Flowers in an outfield." Yeah, I don't like, care whether as long as they like, make the kicks. Like we're busting our ass over y'all. Y'all better be damn good on Saturday. Exactly. As long as they make the kicks, it's all good. Nobody. Yeah, that's why Justin Tucker's loved by every teammate. Longball Dixon, love. Yep. That guy shows up. Okay. Um, well, I think that's enough on the special teams talk. Uh, I want to start with the defense, Rod, because I think that's kind of the side of the ball. The offense is, I don't know, maybe more nuanced to it. But the defense, some of the stuff that we had heard about in the preseason, we saw the main thing I was looking for was up front. A lot, Pretty much the only time they got out of a structured four-man front was on third and long situations where they went to a three-man front yep. and, you know, kind of stacked a backer or mugged somebody, like moving that edge guy around a little bit uh, across the formation. But I thought overall, you know, PK didn't play a lot of games because, quite frankly, this was this was a game where you didn't need to play a lot of games. I thought Agreed. it was a, a game mm-hmm. where it felt like the task was, all right, you guys should be able to win your one-on-one matchups a vast majority of the time. Just go win. We're not going to dial up anything. You guys just go win. And – 
credit that defensive front, man, for the most part they did. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I I liked what I saw. I saw almost that old Chris Rock bit, right? You don't get credit for things you're supposed to do. Yes. I take care of my kids where well, you're supposed mm-hmm. to take care of your damn kids. I'm never late for work. You ain't supposed to be late for work. ULM is one of the worst football programs in in college football, and they have been for the last few years. I believe they haven't beaten a Power 5 team in 10 years, uh, and they've lost by an average of like 34, 35 points. They don't, so you're supposed to bludgeon ULM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my basically my barometer, my, my if you want to get my goals for the defense were don't allow them to have at, at least four yards per carry because they had only averaged more than four yards per carry four times in, a, in the previous 22 games. <laughs> so if they did that against you, your rush defense had not improved. And even adjusted sack yardage rush, they were at 3.1. They, exactly. So yeah. they, don't, if, if they they can run the ball on you, rush defense did not improve. They did not. They averaged over, what, a little over two yards per carry. At 2.2, and then when you adjusted for sack yards, it's 3.1. Exactly. Um, and I said Texas should get at least three sacks versus their team. If they don't get at least three sacks, the pass rush also did not improve because they allowed over three sacks per game last season. And Texas got three sacks. Um, and I like what I saw from Baron Sorrell. Um, mm-hmm. That was a guy off the edge. You needed somebody. You need a presence on the edge. I'm not saying he's it, but at least now you got someone that you know over the offseason asserted themselves, right? Yeah. And so I, I don't. he's already more than halfway to the sack leader, to matching the sack leader from last year. There's some, two and a half yeah. sacks. So, hey, I like Baron Sorrell off the edge, <laughs> and I like what I saw from a young Justice Finkley, and we don't even know what's going to be the – you know, the status of Alfred Collins, we assume he's going to be able to play, but we just don't know if he's going to be a difference maker. He should be able to play. He should be good to go against Bama. Uh, Ethan Burke got some run in the game. Ethan like Burke we said, he they moved Ethan Burke uh, around, had him as a spy. Uh, Prince Dorba. Prince Dorba got some snaps, and yeah. he's one of those guys that I think has a chance to be a factor, at least skill set-wise he should be. But Baron Sorrell was a was, yeah. was a was a force to be reckoned with. I'll give him that. Here's the, mean, interesting, he the interesting tidbit on Sorrell. Sorry, Matt, I'll, I'll let you get these numbers in a second. But the interesting tidbit on Sorrell, Rod, is DeMarvin Overshone was talking about Sorrell after the game, and he said that Sorrell had a chip on, has, has had a chip on his shoulder recently uh, because Overshone said he's the one that pointed out to him. He's like, bro, you should be pissed off. These coaches don't think you're any good. They're trying to go get guys out of the portal to take your job. That's like, true. you should be pissed off. That's true. And kind of after that conversation, apparently DeMarvin Overshone, everybody saw a different Baron Sorrell. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good point though. Yeah, I'm trying to replace it's true. you, man. That's a good. But I, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't expect much from Baron Sorrell. No disrespect, um, he wasn't a guy that we were mentioning as you know. I, I remember him being a, a name, a that, name on the line, That's a it. name that that people had talked about when you asked some of the players that he was who's popping a little bit. A couple of guys would mention Baron Sorrell, but. For the most part, when we talked about who's going to be a difference maker on the defense, Baron Sorrell was not a name that's mentioned. So if he comes out of nowhere to be that guy, that would be great. And those, he, that's a perfect example of the things when we talk about, well, we were just wanting, we were like, oh, we may see a platoon, there's a depth piece, but nobody's a guy that's you know going to ha- do anything elite, therefore we're going to have to platoon these positions together. And if you get an emergence of a guy that you were expecting to just be one of a group to be a guy that can actually be impactful, it really can help that depth and make other guys niche into where they only play at their strengths. Two, yep. guys, two guys that I want to mention – Rod, I don't know if you noted these guys or not, but just during the game and one I saw during the game and one during the rewatch. The one during the game that jumped out to me was Ovia Gofu because it's like he's he's like three quarters of the way 
to having a much better final line. Like there was one, there was a third down, he bull rushes the right tackle and he just drives him back into the quarterback's lap. And it's like, all right, now get off the block and go make the sack. Yeah. And it's like he just kept bull rushing. It's like, no, just just, just if you just swim or, or rip or something, you're right there to make a sack. Yeah. And instead the quarterback flushes and overstone runs him down. It's a turn it's a it's a three and out anyway. But I'm like, but he did Ovi did that a couple times. Like he's he's right. Like he's doing his job, but it's like, okay, at the end of the play, like be instinctive. Like don't be such a robot. Like just go finish the play and your TFLs and your sacks and everything else, like your numbers will reflect the effort you're putting in right up to the point of making the play. Yeah. Um, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I think that, like, for instance, Baron Sorrell, one of his sacks, he goes underneath, right, slip mm-hmm. blocks yeah. the uh, the offensive tackle, and that quarterback can run, right? Chandler Rogers can move around, yeah. and he was headed. He was headed to the perimeter trying to get to the edge, but Baron Sorrell knew I can make the play. Yeah. And if I, if I go underneath this block, I got to make the play, or coach going to go, Dude, you lost contain. What the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. That's your that's your one job over there. You lost you lost contain. What are you doing? Uh, you're undisciplined for that. Yeah. You get yelled at. You, you, he's rolling the dice there, but he knows. No, no. I've done my job. I've I've contained the quarterback. Now I'm gonna go make the play. Yeah. I've already done my job. Now I'm gonna go make the play. Angel. And there are some guys who are they are obsessed with doing their job, and there are other guys who understand. No, I'm a football player. I'm gonna go make the play. Goes about being, you know, be coachable, don't be a robot. The old Shano quote, um, and yeah, I could see that with Ovia Goldfu. Baron Sorrell, like I said, that play he could have got yelled at, and if he didn't make it, he knew that. Hey, I'm fast enough. I've watched enough film on this guy. I can track him down. And then big part about that is he's trying to just not be blocked. Yeah. Because like you don't want to run yourself into a block because you're only yeah. being robotic and doing the play. Well, he got himself into space as fast as he could to track down the guy. Yeah, it goes to the football IQ that Sark's been talking about. Right? We need higher football IQ. Higher mm-hmm. football IQ. That does include knowing when to operate outside of the rules. Yeah. Knowing when to go, all right, the rules have gotten me as far as they're going to get me. Now I'm about to go do what I do. I'm sort a football player. Sort of reminds player. me of like when uh, it was the uh, first stop with the uh, overshone in the red zone. Yeah, they the think about thing. this. It's Sorry, interrupt you. I want to finish this quote, this, this, this thought. I know we're talking defense, but JT Sanders did it. On that 25-yard dump off by Quinn Ewers, mm-hmm. he's supposed to be blocking the edge defender. And he said there was no edge defender. Yeah. So I decided to add myself to the pass route, to the pass, you know what I mean? To the, and, and it was brilliant because he was the only check down for JT Sanders, for, uh, for Quinn Ewers at the time. And JT Sanders ended up being a 25 yard gain because high football IQ, and that's just been great football instincts, told him, uh, you know what, man? I, I'm supposed to be v- blocking the edge defender, but what's the point of just sitting here? When there's no edge defender. Yeah. Man, yep. I'm going to go out here and add myself to the route combination. Boom, you get a big play. That's high football IQ. That's also knowing when to operate outside the rules. Be coachable. Don't be a robot, though. Go make a damn play. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's where you saw on that play he sort of loitered out to the left. Yeah. And Ewers did the same <laughs> thing because, I mean, he's not an intended receiver. But he he drew the pressure. He did. And it turned into like, an oh, RPO. It was a two-man game. Well, it, it turned, turned into, into a two-man game. Like, right. And the yeah. second that Jatavian had the high IQ to know, well, I'm just going to keep loitering into the flat in case he needs me. He needed him. He enticed the guy, the defender. You got two to commit to yours, dumped it off, and he's just space all the way. And then he was so mad at himself for having the 
the turf monster almost to him. He got clipped up from behind, but Sanders almost broke that for a touchdown, which is him in the open field. He's really impressive. But, yeah, just on the same idea of showing make-a-play ability and sort of uh, deporting away from maybe your assignment, it was the first tackle for loss in the red zone by Overshone, and he, I believe, had the outside contained, but it was yep. play action inside, yep. and he never even breathed the play action. He knew it was going to be a boot out and that the mobile quarterback was going to try to get there, and he just tracked him down from behind all the way to where you could see him there. If you're being robotic, you maybe fall for that, but he read the play and just made a good one. And I'm not I'm not picking on him, but if you watch that play too, Ovia Gofu is – I guess what they're running play hard play action on the front side, so he's the backside mm-hmm. contain. He gets sucked in by the play action. The boot. If Overshone doesn't make that yep. play, Rogers walks into the end zone. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, Overshone's so fast he tracked him down. Overshone made some yeah. good play. And that's the thing they, they know they're using Demarvion Overshone better, moving him around on chessboard. Yep, that, if I that was, was yeah. he's on the edges, not he's in on the, the edges. That's they're, big. They're 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 using him because it's. Think about it. You know, if, if he's a unicorn, I said this today, if he's a unicorn, basically putting him in an off-ball linebacker, pigeonholing him there is cutting off his damn horn mm-hmm. and turning him into something that he's not. Yeah. The, the reason that he was special is because he's a great defender, especially in pursuit. All right? Put him in pursuit. Yeah. Let him chase that, it. That's if you believe he's a unicorn, then, yeah, just turn him loose. Yeah. Um, But if I was PK Rod, I would tell Ovia Gofu, like, hey, just, just loosen up a little bit and understand your surroundings. Like I said, you're – He's three quarters of the way to being a really productive player. Like he's doing his job. It's just mm-hmm. your reward for doing your job is to put you put yourself in a position to make the play, the PBU, the sack, the TFL, yeah. whatever. That's it's your reward for doing your job. Go go eat. And you know, and I think he'll do it later in the season. It'll, I hope so. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully it'll go off. Uh, that light will go off for him. But um, I'm with you. I don't. I I understand exactly what you're saying because I see that with some guys and with other guys, it's natural for them to go make plays. Mm-hmm. The other guy that I that was during the game, the guy on the rewatch that I was like, man, he is he was in a position to have a couple TFLs and maybe pick was Jalen Ford. Like Jalen Ford got himself in a position to make a couple of plays, especially like the one where he actually got himself in good coverage. I don't know if he just oh yeah with the tight they threw it behind him him a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, he was like I don't know if he just got his just thought too much at the end or what, but like he's right there. Yeah, could have had the pick. I agree with you about Jalen Ford and and he was in a position, Rod. Like there was a couple of times, like man, if you just get to the hole and just come to balance and make a good tackle instead of just launching yourself at the ball carrier. He probably has a couple TFLs on Saturday. Yeah, uh, that's a good point about him. Yeah, he had I believe Pro Football Focus said he had three missed tackles. Yeah. Mm Hell, I Texas, I believe, still they still got Texas with eleven missed tackles. Yeah, um, which I, which is also a good thing because I've been telling people this for a while. People have been freaking out about the missed tackles. And I said, man, missed tackles is not the big issue. I, mean, I said that on this show. I said, yeah, I know everybody wants to freak out about missed tackles. Epidemic. That's not. That's like fourth or fifth on your, uh, right? Until your list of problems. Matt, it, Mac's it, still dealing with a tackling epidemic, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Mac is, but, but the truth is. I've looked at great defenses in college football, and they missed a lot of tackles. Your pursuit to the football was poor. Yeah, the amount of people. The amount sure. of yards that they – the damage that was done as a result of the missed tackle was the problem. But So now they're missing they – you know, they still got a lot of missed tackles. They got double-digit missed tackles, but the damage is not as debilitating normally as it would be because you got more, better pursuit to the football, faster guys on defense, Party higher football, football IQ. Do you realize – I looked at this because I wanted to say – because the uh, Texas – PFF had Texas with 16 pressures. Uh, in the, In the 13 games under PK, that's the third most they've had. They had 21 that's last year against Rice and 20 in the OU game last year. 
I want to look at the missed tackles, Rod, to your point, and this kind of backs up what Sark said, and I, I, I thought the same thing watching the game. You realize last year, Texas, in a 12-game season, in half of their games, they had 10 or fewer missed tackles? Yeah, they did. Louisiana, yeah. Rice, Texas Tech, Oak State, Baylor, and K-State. Mm-hmm. Ten, or, ten or few missed tackles. 18 and 19 was when it was Texas was like as bad as it got in tackling. Last year, it was just the run defense was so bad that the defense became so bad. The yeah. problem was, like we talked about all offseason, I'll borrow a term from you, Rob, the structural integrity of your defense was so bad mm-hmm. that oftentimes that one missed tackle, there was nobody behind the guy trying to make the tackle, and it's a big play for a touchdown. You didn't you didn't minimize the damage at all. Saturday's game was, yeah, 11 missed tackles. You can look at it and say that's a high number, but you minimized the damage. I mean, other than the 12-yard scramble by Rodgers mm-hmm. and the 23-yard t- touchdown at the, at the end of the game yeah. where it's like walk-ons mm-hmm. on the field and true freshmen, yeah. um, other than that, uh, UL Monroe didn't have a rushing attempt longer than seven yards. Party at the football. Yeah. Just yep. run to the football. And Sark talked about it. He was really oh, he proud. he populate the football. Sorry. <laughs> I like every, co- every coach has a different name for it. Mm-hmm. I was just party at the football. He says populate the football, which is that's lame. Party at the football. Populate the football. I hope he's not saying that to the guys. Guys, mm-hmm. guys, populate the football. No. Populate it. Let's populate that football, guys. No, no, coach. No. Party at the football, please. I just populate heard you, coach, the you just hustle. <laughs> <Hey>, hustle. <laughs> populate the football. Oh, God. You know, I was thinking about pursuit, Rod. And like one of my favorite drill I, I as a high school player, I hated it. But <laughs> when I go to practice, I like watching it. Pursuit drills are one of my favorite drills to watch. Oh, pursuit drills are beautiful. It's like watching those birds that they can <laughs> yeah. like right. They 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 can move mm-hmm. all together. And it's like watching that. If 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 a good defense is pursuit per pursuing the right way, the yeah. correct way. Yeah, it's like watching those birds all move. Uh, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> back in the, back in the day, pursuit drill wasn't over until synchronized swimming until you had to cross <laughs> you had, you had to cross the ball carrier's face. So my fat ass is like. On the third practice field, still trying to cross the ball carrier's face. Pursuit drill was awful back it, in the day. Oh man, but it, it, I, I used to love pursuit drill. And then the corner I said go all the way to the. Mm-hmm. I had to go to the deep, deep, deep angle yeah. to the deepest angle to go catch the guy. Yeah, love that. As, um, you, last year, like, I just think of DK Metcalf running like a tr- Terminator. You know, like I mean, that guy has oh, to be man. going from that diagonal, and it's basically the Pythagorean theorem, and you got to run so much further, but somehow there's, like, one fast dude that can track them mm-hmm. down. If I'm, yep. if I'm PK, I wonder if at some point last year during practice, like during pursuit drill period, because everybody has a pursuit drill period or a couple periods. I hope so. I wonder if at some point he just stopped the drill. I was like, guys, what are we doing this for? Hmm. Like, your pursuit is so bad. I don't even know why we're wasting our time doing this Because that drill, drill, let's be honest, that drill is, is BS. It's beautiful. Like I said, it looks like, you know, birds synchronized <laughs> in air moving as a flock together. Nothing but acts that way. Exactly. Like, the game's never like that. A game never, no, no running back just runs like that. I no. wish a running back would run like that. And then we, we <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's two like, yards <laughs> per carry. No, you have really talented guys. And then I have somebody trying to block me. Yeah. yeah. And somebody's trying to block me the whole time. And you're chasing a guy. Yeah, Basically, and by the way, I'm worried about the pass. So if he if he, he decides he's going to run a route, hey, you know what? I'm guarding the route, number one. I've had so many wide receivers laugh at me because I'm guarding him, and he goes, <laughs> bro, he just broke. God oh, damn, damn, damn it. And I'm running around, turning around, going to run. <laughs> because that's not – so real football is really about passion. What's, how much passion do you have to get to the football? And I, 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 I'm going out, like, looking at some high school kids these days, and I can't tell you how many times I want to go – you know, good things happen, young man, when you're around the football. You should be around the football more. Also Find get there. Around the football. When I'm watching film, I should I should be I should see you a lot. Yeah. 
I should see you all the time. I should go, mm. damn, man. Number blank is always around the football. Love it. I shouldn't see you every now and then. I shouldn't watch four or five plays without seeing you around the football if you play if you start on defense. That's crazy. Yeah, and, and I think that Texas last year, that would be that would be the case. You'd watch it and guy you wouldn't even say like where why are you not running to the football? Yep. Yeah. What the hell is going on? Even when it's a BS play, you should be around the football. That's your job. And 100% agree, like, even on offense, need to have that pursuit. Texas doesn't win a national championship if Casey Stutter doesn't fall on a ball that fumbles out on the one of the last drives Great against point. USC. It happened against Nebraska in 06, I believe. Stutter fell on the ball on one of the late fumbles in that Colt comeback up in Nebraska. But there's multiple times that's the same idea that all those pursuit punch-outs that you see from people like DJ or somebody like that back in the day, a lot of those things come because you're just hustling and get into the ball. The guy cuts back, doesn't see the guy there, and you just get obliterated. But that party of the football mentality, it's not just a cliche. It's to get you there because it's a game of it's an oblong ball that bounces in all these different directions, and you can get rewarded just if you're around it because it Amen, isn't – you aren't the person with the ball. It just happens to bounce to you. Amen. Great point. And that's, you know, Rod, when you've got guys around the football and, and guys punching at the ball, that's exactly. when you can get strips. That's it. That's and, what it happens. Yeah. That's when they you gotta be ra- you got to be rabid with that mentality and that philosophy. You got, it's got it's to gotta be a, a, a not just a, a quote or a motto or a mantra. It's got to be something that's in your heart. Mm-hmm. And you got to believe that the, the 11 guys on the field, that the only way that we are going to succeed is if all of us are giving our 100% effort at all time. And the only way I can prove I have your back is is if I show it with passion and pursuit to the football. It has to be a non-negotiable. Right? Everybody. If you do that, trust me, it is, it's intimidating to watch a defense play like that. Yeah, and that's You when... watch the film and you watch the defense, you go, ooh, dude, these dudes fly to the football. There, is, there are no creases. There is no daylight. They smother it. <laughs> and the idea that we talk a lot about turnover luck and that there's luck in football, and it is, but what's the DKR quote? And what's luck? It's when preparation meets opportunity, and the preparation is hustling and knowing your job to get there because you don't know when that opportunity for turnover Never luck know. is going to be available yep. to a tip ball, to a fumble, to an oblong bounce, just to getting the guy that you don't think he's going to cut back and you happen to be the guy in his periphery to not let him do such things. But that's the thing that these things that are luck – can also be tilted in your favor because you were putting your bodies, basically it becomes a card game. And if you have everybody run into the football and you have seven of the bodies around the football and the other team only has four, well, now your odds to get that seven out of 11, I'll take that all day long. That's a lot better than just a coin flip. That's what I liked about Jalen Gilbo. That's mm-hmm. why I see what they like, they like about him. He's one of them. He was the first Violence. guy that stood out to me that he was on the field so much. He was out there immediately. There's a suddenness to his game yes. because he's decisive when he, you know what I mean? Whenever he sees a key, he's one of those guys, remember I talked about there are guys who they believe what they see on film. They mm-hmm. believe it. When they see it out there on the field, they believe it. And they they go 100%. I was not one of those guys. I, I had trust issues, as Drake would say, right? So I did not believe everything. Yeah. I saw, so I'm like, I don't believe that. This is too easy. Is that really what? Yeah. Oh, it was. Damn it. I wish I'd have believed it a half a second yeah. sooner because yeah. I'd have went over there and made that play. And Nathan Bash was one of those guys. He just, that's why he play, it was so sudden. Everything with him was sudden. 
every yeah. hit was sudden, every every pick because he believed it. And I think Gilbo, just watching, he's one of those guys. That's why that quarterback pressure, I think he had a couple of those. That led to the, the, the Aaron throw to mm-hmm. Deshaun Jameson's pick. He had two of those. And one of them, I think, ended up throwing in the dirt. Remember the PBU he had? And it was not because he got his hands on the ball. He jarred a ball loose yep. because he was that physical coming up to hit a, a, a receiver. That was to me. That was eye open. I'm like, okay. Yeah. What's the last time I saw a corner do that? And la- both I mean, those hurries were hits on the quarterback, and like those are the type yeah. of things that He's, add up. I like that kid. Yep, and that's in first like person. That's an example, possibly, of what a Gary Patterson type addition because he was a TCU guy. He was a late mm-hmm. addition to the class, and you know that the idea of him now getting to be at a place where he'd previously committed to that coach beforehand, it's a little fit that works out well, and, and we need those type of immediate impact players to plug in if Texas is going to be good this year. Uh, Derek Johnson was that way too, Rod. I think oh. like, you can think it's guys over the years. No question. Um, he was one of them guys. The kind of guy, and Deshaun Jameson even said this about Gilbo after the game because I asked him and he said, yeah, he, he is the kind of guy if he's going to mess up, he's going to mess up going 100 miles an hour and he, he's going to hit something. I wouldn't know watching film. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, he's got to be supposed to be doing that because he's doing it 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, oh, maybe he did mess up. But Bull Reese would say that. Carl Bull Reese would say, listen, if you're going to screw up, son, do it 100 miles an hour. All gas, no brakes. Yeah, right? So he's right, though. Like, <laughs> just do it. Just go. I mean, you may end up making a play just because of your effort. Yeah. The effort alone. So yeah. I like Gilbo, man. Gilbo's one of those guys. I think he'll – you got two starting nickels. I think that's the truth. But mm-hmm. I think Gilbo will probably end up as your as a guy getting more reps. Yeah, yeah he seemed on. like the guy that was on the field. When mm-hmm. the game was still in flux a little bit, he was that fifth DB that was always on the field. I like that suddenness, that violence Gilbo played with. I thought Ryan Watts played really well he played in the really opener. Well. Um, yeah. Trying to think. That's, that pretty much covers it on defense. I, the, the, the the main things I wanted to talk about were the, the Jalen Ford stuff and the Ovia Gofu stuff, like I said, just – Guys that are right there just go make the play. And like you said, Baron Sorrell and Jalen Gilbo are prime examples of what happens when when you have belief, not just in the system and what you're being told to do. Shoot, belief in yourself that yes, you're not gonna go make this play. Yep. Just be just have some conviction about you and just cut it loose. Yep, no doubt. Um let's go to the offense. After that first interception, uh Quinn Ewers completed eight passes in a row. Vertical game wasn't there, one for five. On passes of twenty yards or more down the field, and the one, the one was nice because it was the one he climbs the pocket and you it know between nice. two defenders and hits Jatavian Sanders. Uh, the deep ball wasn't there, but I'll tell you what I, I liked about Quinn's game. Sark pointed this out too, so I'm not revealing anything. I like the fact one, the screen game under Sark is going to continue to be a really big part of the offense. Uh, Quinn was on passes behind the line of scrimmage. Six for six for 85 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got the kind of weapons where the screen game can be an asset for oh, you. Yeah. Um, that that I liked about his game. But also, there were times where there were some critical downs where he went through his progressions, went to the, got to the third read, the fourth read, and was making good throws. And, Rod, there were times after the interception where he was just – you mentioned the play to Jatavian Sanders early. Man, he was just willing to take the check down. Don't force it. Just – Trust your guys on the perimeter. You've got good enough players. Your talent is better than their talent in this yep. game. Man, just get the ball to your guys and let them go work. Yeah. No, I um I like the fact that the way the story played out, he struggled early. The incomplete deep pass to X-Man, then he throws the pick, ironically, out of empty, something I've been asking more of. So uh, there you go. Do, do, <laughs> throws the pick early. And then Sark brings him back. And I always say, you know, quarterbacks – 
you know, it's like choosing a quarterback is like choosing a significant other. The woman you marry is not the hottest woman you ever dated. She was the one that was most compatible with you. It showed me that Sark is compatible with Quinn Ewers in a sense that he knew how to calm him down. He knew how to bring him back mm-hmm. on track. And it was with some of those high percentage throws, uh, some of those easy opportunity throws, and it got him basically into a rhythm and got him into a groove. And I, I, to me, it showed that they are compatible. He knows, like, okay, I get it. Yeah, he, He's rusty. Yeah. He's a little nervous. I understood why he threw it. He shouldn't have threw it. And then they can talk it through. And it also showed me something that Quinn Ewers said was his – what I call his X-Man ability, right? I know everybody talks about his arm, and yes, he has a great arm, but when they ask Quinn Ewers, what's the thing that you do as well, if not better than everybody else? He said, I never get too high, I never get too low. In that moment, he didn't get too low. I never seen him get on himself. You know, I mean, get hard. He wasn't hard on himself. And when he made big plays, he he didn't get overly, you know, dramatic about the celebration. He wasn't no. overjoyed. He kind of expects success, and I like his even kill. Yeah. Like how 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 even keel he is as a quarterback. Um, that's him saying that's what he does really well. So and that that was reflected in that game because yeah. it didn't seem like there was panic. No, it seemed like you know yeah. he threw the pick. It was like, well, seems like, I know Longhorn fans might have been panic. Well, yeah, because the first drive, like you see him yeah. lock in the worthy on back to back plays. Yep. I mean, it was just uh, the first drive. He was just totally locked into worthy on those two. He has the pick, and then he comes to the sideline, and then. He goes back out there, and it's a totally different. You could tell that he did not carry one thing into the next. And just like to your point, when he scores a touchdown, that's your expectation. And that's sort of an indicator of elite because if you've done something so well that you've reached the top that you feel as if you can achieve that, that's sort of your goal every single time. And if you don't reach that, it's almost like yeah, that's your normal, and you're just, and that's why you aren't going to see the overexertion and celebration because he sort of expects that. Now, it's good that also the negative didn't make him spiral into a different direction because Agreed. it seemed like he had that what goldfish memory is just gone right out his ear one mm. minute and move on to the next one. Yep. Two things on Quinn. To your point, Rod, it's really hard to make the off-platform throws he can make when you get him off the spot. Mm-hmm. he, You know, when I think when people hear the term, well, the quarterback can keep plays alive, a lot of people think, oh, he can run around, he's really athletic. No, some of that is, when you keep it alive with your eyes, with your just your pocket presence. And your feet. Work. And it's really hard to do that if you're a raving lunatic on the field or yeah. you're a guy that is, that's a yo-yo guy, you're up mm-hmm. and down all the time. Uh, it's really hard to be that kind of player who can make like Patrick Mahomes. You don't see Mahomes just Rodgers, like said, ranting and raving type. like a lunatic or yeah. anything like that. Aaron Rodgers is like I talk about it all the time. It's almost like a serial killer back yeah. there. It's, just, it's weird. I mean, they get it every it now sounds. and then, but yeah, for the most but, part, you're yeah. right. They don't ride. The, you can't ride those waves of emotion. Yeah, so, and they're uh, the type of guys that make the type of they're they're very comparable type quarterbacks to our viewers because he he was the guy that is off you know the normal QB schedule. He he feels comfortable on that little dump down with two guys in his face to Sanders or being able to step up and climb the pocket like you said, Jeff. Like yeah. those are the type of things that some modern quarterbacks. You know, you really didn't see that. Every quarterback was a statue for a long time. In the last decade, you've seen the evolution of that position. It's hard to do that if you're redlining upstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing with Quinn, and this goes back to something Sark mentioned in the post game about, look, you, you had to give him the whole offense. Like, you can't expect – I forget the quote, but it's like you can't expect him to ride the bike with training wheels. you got to let mm-hmm. him go. Man, I talked about this all offseason with the decision to go with Quinn, and it was going to be for Sark – can you stomach the negative plays? Like, we know how much he values the football. That's pretty much, in essence, what he based the decision on last year. Yeah. Hudson Carr did a better job protecting the football in the preseason than Casey Thompson. 
period, point blank in the story. That's a big reason why he went with Hudson Card. Mm-hmm. And I think some other things he miscalculated, but that's yeah. a conversation for another day. But that was the thing with Quinn, like, you know what the reward is. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to deal with the risk? And I think from how Sark has managed Quinn, how he's talked about him publicly, what we put together behind the scenes, I think that's it, Rod. I think Sark just realizes, look, this might not be ideal for me right now, but what's best for this team, and if he really believes in his ability and A.J. Milwee's ability to develop quarterbacks, I can ride through these peaks and valleys because at some point it's going to level out, and at that point the risk is going to – the reward, excuse me, is going to far outweigh the risk. He'll be more reward than risk, and right now I just think that's how Sark views it. Yeah, the reward Quinn gives you, it's worth the whatever the risk is. Yeah, cause he doesn't – Sark in this offense doesn't need a game manager because Bijan Robinson is the game manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bijan Robinson will manage the game. If he get take for example, right, he throws the pick, and what are the next four offensive plays? Bijan, 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 Bijan. Next four plays. Bijan, 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 Bijan. Let's get this thing back on track. And essentially, you put some Bijan on it. Anytime there's an issue with the offense, pass protection, O-line, wide receivers, they can't catch, quarterback, growing pains, he's got issues, you know you have Bijan. So you, you're you good. That's why we don't need Hudson Card managing the game. We don't need, to be, we don't need a game manager. No, no. Yeah. You need guys who have really high ceilings and a lot of upside. And that's what you have all around you. Now, it can be volatile because Quinn Ewers hadn't played football in a long time and he's really young and inexperienced. And X-Men is still really young. And, you know, you got some unproven commodities in other parts of that offense and your offensive line is really talented, but it's really young. So you're talking about a lot of volatility. And what do you want from a veteran player? You want a baseline, mm-hmm. all right, of productivity that you can depend on. And you don't have a ton of that across the board, but you do have an in Bijan. Yep. Yep. That's and why you always come back to Bijan. That's why I, I'm not concerned with whether Quinn Ewers is going to Growing pains are going to derail the offense. He's going to have growing pains, no question. Yeah. But nothing can derail the offense as long as, not going what, Bijan is healthy. Exactly. And that's the great thing about the framework around this offense for a guy like a young quarterback like yours. Because not only is there Bijan, but Roshan's like as reliable of a backup mm-hmm. to have. So whenever, because you know, Bijan's going to play like two thirds, maybe three fourths of snaps in certain games. But that other quarter, it's amazing to look at. But like all last season, by the end of the year, yards after contact, Roshan surpassed Bijan. And Bijan was, was so elite. And Roshan was at 4.06 yeah. last year and 3.94 for Bijan. Now Bijan's still ahead for the career. I mean, Jonathan Brooks is at 4.76. But what else have you added? Not only do you not have that drop off, like when you have the 20 personnel, you saw Keelan Robinson next to Bijan in all these plays where you get some explosivity on the field. And you last year added a guy like worthy for the explosivity, but somebody like Sanders to come in and that reliability to have underneath a lot of these other screens when the screen game, it used to be, well, our screen game is only really going to go to Bijan, running game, and then we were running a lot of screens to worthy, but that takes away the explosivity. But if you can add a guy like Sanders to also be a security valve, he's a threat down the field, but he also can be that screen game where the defense can't overload or just focus on one guy to be a huge threat out of the screen. When you have both of these options, it just makes the decision-making process be able to be at least influenced by Sark and still not have your explosivity be taken away. Let's go ahead, and the running back position is where I want to start the Alabama conversation, unless either of you guys has anything left to add on ULM. Well, I think the JT Sanders thing, as Matt talked about, is worth a conversation at least. I mean, you're talking about 15 years 
since a tight end mm-hmm. has led the team in receiving in the game. Last guy was Jermichael Finley, uh, 2007, in the Oklahoma game. That's worth a bit of a conversation, gentlemen. I mean, I agree. When, you know, and I'm glad you brought it up, Matt. Obviously, we weren't going to um, ignore it, but it's 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 interesting because when Isaiah Nayor went down, uh, the conventional thinking, and I think Sark was disappointed, was that when you lose uh, the ability to present the defense with a mathematical equation they cannot solve. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, football, at its rudimentary form, is just a numbers game, right? You cannot load the box, double X-man, or rotate coverage toward X-man, shade coverage there, and put a guy over the top of Isaiah Nayor. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. So you got to pick and choose which one of those uh, concepts you want to defend. Well, when Isaiah Nayor went down, Maytex is easier to defend. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, size, Cody B, size, little size. But as Matt just mentioned, now you have Jatavian Sanders. And I know the check down thing is great, but exploring him as a yes. threat up the seam is the key. Mm-hmm. That is the key to evolve the offense because what has really hindered the RPO offense for Sark so far is that safeties are flat foot reading a lot of Texas pass game. And when you're dealing with a safety flat foot reading mm-hmm. your pass game, it's really hard to throw the RPO because he wants to throw glances, basically a skinny post or a, mm-hmm. a deeper slant, if you will. Um, but if you can get that safety to respect the vertical threat, that gronk threat, right? Of it's the you gronk bet threat. not flat. It's exactly, you on a flat foot read JT Sanders. He's gonna make you pay for it. So now you're talking about safeties having to respect that verticality. So they're gonna have to start backpedaling or gaining some depth. When they do that, it opens up that window yep. for that RPO game. So that's why JT Sanders can actually be the key to your RPO game opening up too because now you have a third threat that must occupy that safety. And, and in sense, now presenting the defense with a mathematical equation they cannot solve, keeping a safety over the top of that guy down the seam, doubling X-man, yep. and putting the guy in the box because that safety tries to add himself into the box by flat-foot reading your RPO. Oh, then we got a late release by JT Sanders and we're good. Yep, yeah. and right. then that's the biggest part about it is, like, even look at the results. The only ball that was completed 20 yards downfield was to J.T. Sanders, and that's Same a type of play. Not only can he be a multi-layered threat, you have mm-hmm. multiple guys like that on this roster that can threaten at levels, and it basically turned Jordan Whittington into a blocker, and he was very effective as a blocker, but there is something that worried me. He hit his blocks illegally both touchdowns. Like, the second one – he gets there right as Bijan's catching the ball, which is just perfect. And you can mirror that and start blocking while the ball's in the air just enough if you're in that gray area the same yeah. way you get a gray area at the line of scrimmage on RPO. But I guarantee those are the things that Saban's going to be yelling to the referees to be watching. And I know that on the first one, he's blocking at the 14-yard line on the Jatavian Sanders touchdown well before Jatavian. I mean, yours isn't even out of the pocket, and he's already engaging the block. And him and Kane were obliterating the DBs blocking. They were great blocking, but they also can't be too aggressive and do it too early and become a penalty. Couple, couple familiar concepts too, right? The Jatavian Sanders touchdown was that was the same kind of almost double wheel they ended up running with yep. the tight ends go back to last year in the mm-hmm. Rice and was, game. And it was Irwin. based off the first play of the game was a run play that Texas ran to Bijan. That touchdown's the exact yeah. same play, but they yeah. play action it to mm-hmm. Roshan. Uh, when we're like, man, Casey could have thrown it to Kate Brewery, could have thrown it to Wiley, whatever. Both over. Guys over. Yeah. yeah, same concept. And then uh, the, the ball Quinn missed Worthy on in the end zone mm. – 
they wanted that wheel with Bijan, but it's almost like ULM knew it was coming because anytime Bijan motions back in, goes sidecar with the quarterback, you almost know at that point, okay, they're going to run the wheel into the boundary with Bijan. You could tell ULM had kind of scouted that because that was a pretty big tell. But Sark didn't need to mix that up too much. It's like, look, we'll call it. it if they catch it, it yeah. yeah. If they catch it, great. If not, we're going to score. I agree so. that. And then the last thing to touch off the offense, the pre snap motion from the tight ends from Sanders and helps. It just reminded me so much of watching Shanahan and what Shanahan does with his offense in the way that we've talked all offseason of Juszczyk being a guy that can be weaponized and the weaponization like even on the Sanders touchdown he has the underneath little flip version the way KC does it to Kelsey in the goal line scenarios to where there were even other options of wide open guys that they didn't even have to find. Mark the Shano spot on your Longhorn Blitz bingo card now (laughs) if you're uh, paying attention to such things. Uh, no, I guess the Jatavian Sanders, the tight end talk is a good place to start talking about Bama. Before we do that real quick, Rod, we were talking about before you got here, uh, Matt and I were just talking about personnel. We are talking about Bama and Texas and kind of running some numbers down. Like, man, what would Sark give to go get Georgia's tight ends? Like, if he had Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers, like, what would Sark be able to do with two tight ends like that? Yeah. That, you, that you can't if you can't match up with one of those guys. Yeah. Two of those guys, man, if you're a 12 personnel guy and you got Georgia's tight ends, dude, you're – it's every, every day is Christmas. Yeah, I agree with that. With those two guys. Yeah. yeah, somehow there's a guy that's two inches and 20 pounds bigger than Sanders, <laughs> and he's just as explosive. Wild. Um, so let's go ahead and start talking about Jatavian Sanders, the tight end aspect, because, Rod, to your point about Isaiah Nayer, if Texas in this game, if they had Isaiah Nayer and Jaleel Billingsley in this game, I would feel very different about Texas' chances, not even to cover, but can they keep it close and maybe go make a run at it? Like yeah. I, I think those two guys – are really big pieces because the Billingsley absence with the suspension, which we talked about that at Horns 24-7 a couple of weeks ago that we had heard that was coming, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously we saw what the deal was on Saturday. Um, and by the way, that was something that Texas, they've been dealing with that for, we'd heard that, like I said, several weeks ago that that was potentially coming. Well, I mean, so sorry. that's why you transferred out of Alabama. Yeah, so basically, well, no, it's a different deal. Aligned with it. I don't want to get into it on the air, but gotcha. regardless. um that changes Jatavian Sanders' role, right? Because he was going to be the inline guy. Now mm-hmm. you now you have to use him more as the move guy because oh, you yeah. don't have that guy. Gunnar Hillman's your inline guy. And a tweak, Rod, that I think is going to be big this week. Matt and I were talking about this before you got here. That move to move Andre Carrick to tight end, you're going to need to have you're going to, need to have help on Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, these Alabama edge guys. By far, no question, the best edge defenders you're going to see all year. Moving character tight end makes sense because of this. If you're going to keep an extra body in the block, don't waste that body on an eligible receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, if you want to keep the tight end and Carrick is your tight end, you want to keep him in, great. You can slide protection, do some different things, whatever. Don't waste that extra blocker on an eligible receiver. I think of him more of a sixth O lineman than an extra tight end. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, basically, because he's a he's an offensive lineman, yeah. and putting him in nineties, I don't think changes that, making no. him eligible. So I, I look at a sixth O lineman, and that to me makes a lot more sense about how Sark wants to attack Bama. If you're going to attack Bama, if you're going to win a big game, and you're highly overmatched, you have to find a way to break tendency ultimately. That's what you have to do. Otherwise, if you go with what you're doing, you think you're going to beat Bama, then you're mistaken. Bama coming out, they will whip you like you stole something. They just will. They're just way better. Um, I thought the same thing against Oklahoma pretty much last year, but Sark followed my game plan. Break tendency. Right on first down last season against Oklahoma, uh, those first 20 plays that he scripts, 
Uh, I believe they were a 60% first down pass rate. And going into that game, they were a 75% first down run rate. Mm-hmm. Broke tendency. And it was some of the most creative play calling we've seen from Sark. And he actually utilized, basically, B. John Robinson in those first 20 plays was a decoy. He, was, he knew that Oklahoma was going to be keen on him, so he used him as a decoy and got the ball to X-Man early, got the ball to Joshua Moore early, and, you, and Jay Witt used other aspects of the way. Hell, Jay Witt got, a, I think, a, a rush early on in those first 20 well, plays. Jared Wiley involved. Uh, the J, he threw it to Jared Wiley early. I said, it, it was everybody at Oklahoma was like, bro, I thought, Coach, you said Bijan. Mm-hmm. You said mm-hmm. it was going to be B. Yeah, I know I said Bijan, but I don't know why he's coming out here throwing it to Joshua Moore, <laughs> Jared Wiley, and, and heading the ball to Jay Witt. I make no damn sense. It's yeah. a screen on the exactly. first play. It, you gotta break. So you can still utilize all this conversation. So you gotta break Tennessee. So getting back to Shanahan, right? So check your bingo card. Shano is brilliant. It, the, the most brilliant strategy that he deploys is, and I and I, I like to use alliteration because it simplifies for me. So he doesn't use this, but this is the way I describe it. You present, all right. You present power personnel packages, and then you pivot to pass principles. Nice, right? Because the defense is programmed to think. Oh, well, they got six O linemen out here. They're definitely going to run some. They definitely want to run it. Yeah. Right? Why would you take your skill guys off the field if you're going to pass it? Yeah. That's ridiculous. But when they put Carrick out there and they ran those six O linemen, they did just that. Mm-hmm. Right? You had a present a power personnel package mm-hmm. and they pivot to pass principles. So they only had two rushes. They threw the ball. Three times. They had, they had five plays, threw it three times, and they had they like they, they ran a, a lot of RPOs out of it. Yep. Right, because the RPO is the run game plus the quick game, and if you really want to break tendency, the RPO is great from those six O lineman sets because Sark he's only isolating specific parts of the defense in the passing game. He's not throwing to the. He's not trying to attack the entire defense. Yeah, he's trying to attack a certain specific part or area of the defense. So yeah, me as long as I got the numbers right in that aspect, I'm good. Which is either trying to bring the safety down, and then you're you're based on the quarterback reading. Do you have the numbers in the box, or don't you? So that's why he ran a lot of RPOs out of that six O lineman set, and I think it does actually. But to me, it hints that Sark's game plan for Bama, which has been in the barn for three months now, we know that he this may be the game where he plays more two tailback sets, specifically now twenty one personnel. Because why the hell would you take Jatavian Sanders off the field? Mm-hmm. So twenty one personnel specifically versus Bama, because what does 21 personnel do? It presents a power personnel package mm-hmm. that allows you to do what? Pivot to pass principles. The, the most successful passing uh, personnel package last year for Texas, highest yards per attempt, highest completion percentage, was actually out of your two tailback sets. And you brought in the innovator of the go-go offense, which is a triple option run game, with a West Coast passing game and rid- with rigidity, deploys two tailback sets, yes. and that's your Brendan Marion. It only makes sense if I don't see more twenty-one personnel. Uh, except exception will be the Wildcat formations they ran versus K State last year. They ran a ton of those. Mm-hmm. So if I don't see more two two tailback twenty-one sets versus Alabama, then Sark's not as brilliant as I thought. And you're going to see they, those coming out in breaking tendency because that like, breaks tendency because you only ran a like, you ran like I think you ran like maybe eight plays of two, two tailback sets in the game versus ULM that yeah. pretty much vibes with what you did last year but you can come out and shock their senses 
in a way, and you can, like I said, you can run empty out of that. You guys know how I feel about empty. I know Quinn threw a pick from it, but empty would also allow you to isolate matchups yeah. across the board and automatically, you know. Where did Quinn Ewers mess up my empty formation? Where did he mess up? Anybody know? Which one? He held the ball too damn long. <laughs> the empty's designed to get the ball out. Yeah. If you're holding the ball too long out of empty, you better be bam, bam, salmon running downfield with it. If you're holding you, the ball too long and empty, then you miss you miss the route progression. If you it's go back late. and watch the pick, uh, to your point, Rod, <laughs> yeah. right as he starts to leave the pocket. The guy if, clears open. If yep. he, if Xavier Worthy clears, clears it. He open. just throws it right there. Yep. It's he, like a 10-yard completion. Exactly. Because yeah. that safety is right above him and that linebacker is right mm-hmm. above him. Exactly. Yep. He, he, he panicked. Just, he panicked. He was like, I ain't got no blocker. It's like, no, no, don't panic. It's open. <laughs> and he waited until all three got together. And it was yeah, just a it was the, like exactly. a hell marriage. See, Quinn, just keep cool. Just, just keep cool, cool when you panic. Hey, you're good. So, I, yeah, I, I think that's. I think we're going to see it this year. He loves 12, so now you can run your 12 personnel. I think your six alignment sets is a hint. I think 21 I personnel, that, too. I love that because it's basically it's like the old school when you would go, like, tackle over. But now – you're just adding a tackle. It's adding a tackle. Well, and, and now instead yep. of running like an RPO, you're running a play action, and that's where down the seam with a guy like Sanders leaking out behind the play. Like that's exactly what you want to see on first down coming out. Just have it show that, show power, show the play action, and then yep. be able to find that on the backside of the defense or – who knows what else could come out? Because, like, Texas ran, and they wanted to be vanilla, but you ran on first down 52% of the time. You yep. really – I don't – like, you heard Saban and Sark talk about, like, they aren't even looking at this game one. They've been no. game planning against each other. They know that that's going to be just, like, that fool's gold that you put out there on film. So it's time to move yeah. on from there. Because I know we got to wrap this up pretty quick, but the 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 three-month thing, Rod, as you know, Matt, you know this too, like, yeah, the guts of that game plan is going to be done. You got GAs and people like Gary yep. Patterson. They're working on that, mm-hmm. and it's going to be done probably by like the middle of June, oh, yeah. early part of June, uh, to where because you don't have time to get into it this then you week. Practice pretty, it pretty much all all this all you were watching from the Utah State film. Basically, all that was going to show you was one first and foremost personnel depth chart basically yeah, yeah. personnel and then consider. man is there is there anything in all all this data all this research that you do that you've done on Bama. Personnel package percentages, you know, mm-hmm. per percentage of passes and runs based on downs, based on situations. Is there anything in the Utah State game that significantly changed to the point where you feel like you've got to go back and look at something again? No, that's really all. That's really all you're doing. And, and that the last part I talked about, that's like ten percent of it. It's ninety percent. Because a lot of that's going to be fool's gold and stuff they want to put on tape maybe yeah. to make you even that's think true. you're doing I don't that. think that six O-Lyman thing is fool's gold, though. I, no, I do no, think no, no. Sark is – he wanted to test it out. It was only five plays, but you go look at those five plays. They're, they're really unlike any five-play sequence in the game. Heavy RPO. I think he knew exactly what he wanted to. And you were really productive out of it. And I think, like I said, he with six O-Lyman out there, he's passing more than he's running. And with the RPO – Hell, as we know, that could be the pass or the hit, run. I'm trying to think. Did he hit Worthy? The worthy that was it. Was that it, was one of them. The glance I'll, to Worthy. On yeah, the, yeah, I'll give you the plays right here because I got him here. Because it, it was, it just stood out to me. I was like, man, that's that's really weird. And that's you something had, I think that you, just you be had part the, of the season. The first one was a play fake, and he dumped it off to Bijan Robinson. It was an eight yard game. Yeah. Um, then they have a, kind of a, a run, which I think was it was an RPO. They handed off to Bijan. It was an eleven yard game. Yeah. And then there's the X Man, like mm-hmm. a nineteen yard. Sk- Glance route yep. on the RPO. Yeah. It was heavy. And then they put it in the second half for like two plays, and they went, I think, one incompletion to X-Man, uh, and they ran one out of the pistol. 
they they're doing something with it. Yeah, like I said, I I didn't know that that wrinkle was coming, and I'm like I'm like man, I was like that's a big ass tight end. I'm like who is that? I was like you oh your boy was I, I was counting. I was like am I count up with? I've been drinking, but what is that? Is another? What? Yeah, so I saw it too. It was freaky. Um, but I, I, yeah, I like that move too. Um, oh, here's something that concerns me real quick because I know we're up against it about Sark because I know we're going to wrap it up. Pete Golding. I've been studying Pete Golding for a while because I, I was interested because he, he's he been under fire there at Bama for a while. He hasn't always been beloved. That's well, because uh, Nick Saban loves him, but the fans have fan a, base. You've got to adjust expectations. Yes, like they're finicky. Uh, yeah. Well, no, but it's, it's more of Alabama's an offense first program now. Uh, that's a great point, too. I agree with that. That's a great point, too. Hey, I think it's right. just a fan base changing that mindset. That's true. I don't disagree with that. Um, one of the, I think, major hurdles for Steve Sarkeesian to overcome on his way to being a great coach, and I've said this before. I've talked about it on this show, and I've talked about it on, on Ball Don't Lie as well. He, his scheme has got to better adapt to the three high safety defense. Will people take their nickel or their whatever you want to call it, uh, put their star or whatever. They what put they that guy it. as a middle field safety, basically making a three safety package instead of making it, you know, a usual nickel package with him as three with three corners. Now Jim Knowles at Ohio State now is taking it to new levels, and he's a three safety genius. And that guy's just a freak of nature. You see what he did to Notre Dame. But go look at when Sark has been matched up against one of these three high safety defenses last year. Iowa State, John Heacock, put it on him. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State with Jim Knowles, put it on him. Arkansas and Barry Odom, Ugh. put it on him. He's only averaging around a little, little less than a little over 18 points per game when he goes against those three high safety in the last year, just here at Texas. Um, and even when you go back to his time at Bama, if you really want to be particular about it, when he had those elite offenses at Bama, there was still times when he faced a three high safety defense that schematically it just didn't match up well. He's going to play it against Oklahoma State because they're going to keep their – now, I'm not that worried about their personnel because it's not as good. And Jim Knowles is a better play caller than – Eric Mason. <laughs> yes, much better. Um, but Oklahoma State still going to – they're still going to employ it. Iowa State, they major in it. And Brent Venable stole the concept, much like Todd Orlando did with the lightning package – from John Heacock in Iowa State, so he's going to run it at, at, at there at Oklahoma. So you're going to see it three times. And Pete Golding, he runs it. Yeah. So and they know Sark struggles with it because yep. they saw it. Yeah. So it this is that's why it's a big game schematically for Sark. It's one of those hurdles he's got to overcome because the three high safety defense has been whipping him. Yeah, I mean, that's the personnel on defense. That that's the one. If you were to define what's the one that is the best against Sark, it's that, and there's no argument on it. Then uh, real quickly before we finish up, I pulled some numbers just looking at the Bama offense passing game and what they really succeed against and then what they struggle against. And, you know, there isn't much sample this year because these guys, this group, other than Bryce Young, it's a whole lot of people that haven't played much for Bama. But when you look at, like, say, Holden, one of their top receivers last year, and then this year against zone, so much more successful against zone. It was 3.62 yards per outrun this year, 2.8 last year and when you look at against man though down to 1.7 and 1.2 last year about 40 percent of the production even Burton when he was at Georgia also was a guy who struggled big time against man he was 0.58 yards per outrun in week one when he was at Georgia it was only 1.1 
but against zone, 3.4, more than three times the amount of yardage per route run against zone to where their receivers have been very successful last year and this year, their whole career against zone, really struggle against man. And that's why Jeff pregame or before the show was talking, he really thinks Texas will sort of break their norm and try to be as much of a man defense as you can be. Last year, you saw maybe one out of every six plays, Texas would be in some sort of man defense. There's a lot more zone, a lot more combo coverage. But the one thing about Alabama is their running backs, when they get yeah. man coverage, obliterate people. And coming out of the backfield, it was like 10 yards per route run for Sanders, five yards per route run by McClellan mm. last year. Also against man more than twice the amount of yardage to where like they know that their guy can make a guy miss in space, and that's what they do. They could dump it down and be conservative and get those yards if they get those man looks. And against zone, you really can't be limiting against their passing game, so make Bryce Young that's beat on you. Jalen Ford, it's going to be on, man, maybe overshone. It's a couple of safeties. Your safeties, yeah. That's why I said man, because you're going to have to deploy more resources and stopping their running backs. I mean, Cameron Latou should be back for this game at tight end. I don't really worry about the Bama tight ends as much, as, but that running back group, but we talk about Texas being deep and talented with Jameer, Jameer Gibbs, Gibbs, Trey man. Sanders, Jace McClellan. Uh, they got some guys that can go. At the end of the day, guys, when, when, to sum this game up, I, te- Texas is going to have success in this game. Like I don't think it's going to be like the Oregon-Georgia game where just Texas gets just trampled. At the end of the day, though, and it's specifically, I mean, it's the Texas defense against the Alabama offense. I just don't think Texas has enough guys right now on defense that can win the kind of one-on-one matchups consistently that you're going to need to win to keep you in the game. I agree with that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just concerned about the edges, period. I'm concerned about Texas being a block, Dallas Turner, and Will Anderson. Yep. Yeah. All right? Because you, you, can't, you can't double both of them. Mm-hmm. That's why I like those two tailback sets because at least when Bijan and Rojo go out, they can chip them on their way out. And you can run that six O line package or that twelve personnel, and you can try to chip those guys on their way out. But I'm 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 just concerned about and that. And your cross book action can get their eyes in the wrong place. And you That's can true do some too. Different things. And I'm also concerned about the edges for Texas. Right? I mean, last year that was a big deal. They allowed almost seven yards per carry, and teams running through the C and D gap. Alabama knows this. Alabama yeah. is going to test this. Yes. And I also think they're going to test that secondary. ULM couldn't do it, but hey, guys, I mean. They, I, I know they got a lot of new bodies. and They're gonna play a lot of man coverage, um, but if I am Bama, I'm going after them DBs. I want to see how good they are in man coverage. That's yep. great. If they're in man coverage. You mean Bryce Young knows the coverage? That's easy. Yeah. Yep. And think about zone is you can mix it up. Man, hard to mix it up. You gonna be a man? Your, your man's gotta be better than my man. Yeah. The, the it's guy the you risk. <laughs> it's a and, big risk. And he's a highest man. Yeah. Winner. True. <laughs> That's the one <laughs> weird thing about this Alabama team because it's such a great quarterback. It's just unproven wide receivers gives you at least maybe the hope that you can take that risk at the beginning and hopefully don't get burnt. But yeah, y'all mentioned Jamar Gibbs at running back. He was seven point two two yards per route run against man all last season. Just absurd out of the backfield, and he's probably their best running back. Yeah. Real quick, the central nervous system of that Bama defense, that's the scariest part of this Alabama team to me, Bryce Young included. We talk about the air inside linebackers with Jalen Moody, who almost transferred to Texas and probably would have had Christian Harris not going pro. Uh, Henry Toa Toa is an NFL guy. And then Rod, those three safeties you mentioned with the Marco Hellams, Jordan Battles, a projected first-round pick. And then Brian Branch is a guy – He'll be that star position. He'll be the guy that they can do they different around. things with. Yeah, that middle of the field to that Alabama defense. You're talking about a a quarterback who hasn't played football. I mean, and he's played. He's played like two games uh, football in you know a little low, a little over a year or less than two years. 
and they're going to be throwing some confusing looks at them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Veteran quarterbacks have trouble trying to figure out them three high safety looks, and they're going to be coming at Quinn 100 yes. miles an hour. We yep. have to cut, we have to cut this off, but Rod will be talking about this on Ball and Lie throughout the week. I'll be talking about it on Light the Tower, and we'll definitely be talking about it at Horns 24-7. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104 9, 101 9 AM 1260 streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. and Mike Harge each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7. Shameless book. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. Thanks to Matt. You can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of Longhorn Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. And we will catch you again on the next episode. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.